0: Hello and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. I'm Steve Burge, and in this podcast we talk with fascinating people from around the open source world. You can find previous episodes at ostraining.com slash podcast. And this week I'm talking with Jason Coleman, who runs Paid Memberships Pro, which is one of the most successful plugins for running a membership site in WordPress. Not only does Jason have his own membership site to sell extra features for the plugin and support and documentation. But he's also spent a career looking at the membership sites of his customers. And so he has all sorts of fascinating tips and tricks that he's picked up from his customers and applied to his own site. Hopefully, you'll be able to get some useful advice for running your own membership site too. Hey, and welcome, Jason. Hey. Hey, where are you calling in from today? I live in Reading,
1: Pennsylvania, which is about an hour west of Philadelphia.
0: So, if you go to a WordCamp and introduce yourself, how do you introduce yourself to people? What do you do?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's I I try different things depending on who I think the audience is. But yeah, Jason Coleman, I'm a WordPress developer from Philadelphia. You know, it's funny I, actually. A, a lot of people come up to me because I'm I'm kind of well known from the stuff I put out. You know, online and the software and the WordPress rap. A lot of people come up to me and mention the WordPress rap. It's, it's a silly little marketing rap I did like 10 years ago. And it's it's like what I'm known for. Wait, how does
0: it go? The WordPress rap. Can you perform it or should we oh send it to YouTube?
1: Yeah. It's on the homepage of strangerstudios.com. And I honestly forget the verse. <laughs> Maybe you can splice it in when you edit it. I like going to non WordPress conferences where I'm not recognized and I can kind of blend in. And then, you know, I build internet software for membership sites, you know, stuff like that.
0: You run Paid Memberships Pro, the really popular plugin. And you just did a musical video to promote that, right?
1: Yeah, we have a really talented employee, Travis Lima, who's doing marketing for us. And we unleash him on like different pet projects every once in a while. And he was like, I have this idea, will you just record things of this nature and send them to me and trust me? And we're like, yeah, sure. So different members of the team you know, recorded tidbits of kind of made up scenarios. Like, they're, We don't really run these websites, but they're real kinds of customers that we have using WordPress and Paid Memberships Pro. And we put it together. We're trying to make like a satire of a lot of the ads that Automatic and WordPress.com and, and other big WordPress players are running. It was pretty fun. So you a musician? I'm very amateur. I play some guitar. I was in a band in high school, and uh, all the people I played with in high school are now, you know, uh, full time musicians and like cover bands and stuff. And I'm I'm the one who who didn't get into it professionally. And a few years ago, I started doing electronic music as an amateur as well. Like I saw a documentary about synthesizers. You know, like the '80s keyboards making uh, synthy sounds. I bought a keyboard and I got some free software. I thought it'd be like a fun thing to play with the kids. It kept their attention for like three days. They were like, that's really cool. But then I kind of got hooked on it and I was downloading more and more software and and learning how to compose music and and music theory and stuff. So I like to use that music. Like we have branded background music for all of the videos that we make at Paid Memberships Pro now.
0: (laughs) Well, I think there's a huge overlap. We have several developers on staff with us and I think nearly all of them are musicians.
1: Wow. We've got yeah. um,
0: everything from a, a classically trained pianist to someone the guy plays country music. Hmm. It appeals to the same part of the brain, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right. Like, I, I notice... You know, I have a... I don't know, this is a random tidbit, but I have a problem grinding my teeth, and it happens when I'm programming, like, really intensely or, like, creating music really intensely. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. There's something about, like, the same mode of, of you know, frame of mind doing those two things
0: yeah you know what I I will buy sticks of chewing gum on mass and have them by my desk because (laughs) I'm often in thought and chewing so hard that having chewing gum by my desk to grab easily is a big help I often go through 20 sticks in a day when I'm working hard
1: you know yeah I'm with you too like we're not doing video but I would show you the bag of you know dentine gum that I have on my desk right here (laughs) nice
0: Man, so uh, how did you get into running a popular membership plugin? How did you get into the WordPress
1: space? Yeah, so kind of my WordPress origin story starts in uh, 2005. I made a blog, an investing blog with a few friends. And at that time I worked for Accenture doing technology consulting. In 2006, my wife and I, I left Accenture to do you know work freelance web development. And we built like prototypes for web 2.0 era startups. And so, we, and we had like a very popular wine website for tracking your wine and things of that nature. Uh, but we use WordPress for blogs for all those startups that we help people start. And then as WordPress matured, we kind of used it for more. And so we're like, oh, we could use WordPress for this as well, or this would be a good platform for e commerce. We did e commerce on WordPress like before there were e commerce plugins. We integrated with like OS Commerce through custom code and things like that. And we built an e commerce plugin that was built directly on top of WordPress for like just a few of our clients. We never re- released it as open source. And then WP eCommerce was released and wasn't as good as our software I thought at the time, but it was open source and it was embraced and it, it got used by a lot of people. So we noticed that, like the power of open source at that time. And at the same time we had customers who needed membership sites. So we thought about using e-commerce plugins for membership sites and realized that a solution that was streamlined on the membership the process of a membership site would work better for them and so we we spent a few years building that and then released it open source around 2012 or so. And from that time we were building, you know, doing WordPress consulting basically and focusing on membership sites and we we made money on the consulting and the the plugin made a little bit of money but it was basically free. And then sometime in 2015 we we took a few months off of consulting and turned away work and focused on full time on the plugin, and and since then we've been 100% working on Paid Memberships Pro and and growing the team that supports it.
0: Well, there's been an explosion lately in membership sites in general. I seem to remember we started membership sites, put our first one up in 2008 or so, and the technology, not even on the, the WordPress on the website side, but the technology on the payment gateway side was pretty awful. Most of the gateways had really bad support for recurring subscriptions. And it's only been in recent years that it's been much easier to set up accurate, user-friendly, recurring payments. Yeah.
1: And there's definitely, there's a lot of demand from the businesses that use it. There's lots of brick and mortar or real life associations are moving online. And so they need to collect payments online. And then courses is is kind of like the second most popular use of, of our membership software anyway. And so... I was at a podcasting conference and I was asking them about monetizing podcasts and I thought we would talk about like charging for access to old content or new content or side content, but everyone was talking about the course that they're making and they're gonna sell. So, and of course with courses, there's an overlap with membership sites. A lot of times they they kind of sell it as a membership and and other features. And so yeah, there's a need on the business side and then the technology side is growing up. Uh, Companies like Stripe, and Braintree have really like pushed the gateways to do better in that regard and make it easier for us as developers to integrate. It's still a headache. It's still the the biggest technology headache we have is kind of wrangling the the various gateways to integrate with our software, but it's better than it was in 2008 for sure.
0: Yeah, we must have gone through multiple different payment gateways when we first got started and they all have significant problems. I remember one of them would do this random batch processing at like 2 in the morning of all the payments (laughs) were due. And the vast majority would fail because basically they they ran all the payments on their system at the same time through Mm. one big cron job, I think. Yeah. We had one other payment gateway that encrypted and stored all the credit cards and then actually forgot what the encryption key was (laughs) and so locked up all the credit cards in their vault. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All sorts of stories like this, but things like Stripe make it much easier now. So, yeah. the majority of your customers, or at least the biggest sector of your customers, are organizations that need to collect annual memberships. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I I do this every once in a while. And it's a fun fun thing to do. But I went through like the last twenty five people who signed up for our membership like this week, and I took a look at the site that they mentioned, and like I tried to guess like what domain it was. And like probably a quarter of our users are associations. So they're, you know, groups that collect dues and have a conference once a year and they talk about some specific industry or niche. And then like another quarter of our users are either thought leaders or groups that are selling some kind of course or paid content. So like, here's how I lost weight, you know, buy my ebook and you'll learn how to lose weight like me. Then we probably probably like another quarter would be random apps. So they're selling access to apps. And maybe another quarter is is content like publishers. So if you have a magazine or an investing blog or something online and and you charge for premium access. So that's like a rough breakdown, but you know, there's all kinds of use use cases.
0: Are there any niches or any angles that have been surprisingly successful in your customer base have you? come across yeah. a whole bunch of sites and suddenly thought, wow, people are making a ton of money from selling X.
1: Yeah, that happens all the time where, you know, I'm surprised that, that the different courses people are selling or, or the associations that exist. There's apparently there's a beekeepers association for just about every state in the United States and every country. And, and there's one in the UK that uses paid memberships pro. And think the Beekeepers Association of Texas was the first one that came on my radar that we did work for and they must have spread the word like like bees pollinating and so all these different associations use our software now so every time a new beekeeper comes on as a customer we, we get excited
0: um, <laughs> you haven't been invited to speak at the honey
1: conference 20 I don't know but I should
0: reach out I should
1: yeah I feel like I feel like I could <laughs> maybe we should yeah we get you know even more of the beekeeper association market but that's just one example of kind of it w- an association that wouldn't be on your radar, but just a group of you know, a few hundred people with a common interest and they collect dues and, and go to Vegas once a year. And, and there's so many of those.
0: So you run your own membership site in addition to running everyone else's membership sites as well? Yeah. Have you learned anything from watching all these customers go by? Do you pick up any tips and tricks from the things your customers are trying?
1: Yeah, definitely it's good. We use our own software to sell paid memberships pro and access to our support and documentation. And I'd hesitate to call it like a, a membership site because, yeah, we're, we're leaning towards selling software. And I'm sure like the Pennsylvania tax authority is interested in how we classify ourselves, also. <laughs> you know, using our own software means that we, we catch bugs earlier. And when um, maybe early on we notice a, We had an idea of you should use one gateway only and your checkout process should be streamlined and don't give people another decision about using paypal or a credit card or something like that so we built the first iteration of paid memberships pro like that and we had it on our site but we saw a lot of our customers asking to offer paypal uh, mostly because they needed to as a second option like for international customers there's a lot of countries where even now people you know can't get credit cards easily but PayPal accounts are easier to come by so we implemented that for our customers and then we saw an increase in sales from it and it's something that we implemented on our site and then built an add-on around to make it easier and i think we're kind of behind the curve like it's it's a big update in our core plugin to be able to kind of offer the band of every single option you know apple pay amazon google wallet that's something that's changed, I guess, online. People are more comfortable with that, but also we saw customers customers notice that first before we did that having multiple gateway and payment options, increased sales. So, yeah. Well,
0: you know what? Developers and business owners love to complain about PayPal and mm-hmm. how clunky and frustrating it can be. But I was talking with Syed, who does yeah. WP Forms and a lot of large plugins. And he mentioned that, they experimented with taking PayPal off yeah. and simply offering credit cards and Stripe as the gateway. And in his experience, it would cost something like 20% of your purchases. That's a,
1: Yeah, I would make the same guess, yeah.
0: That as difficult and cumbersome as PayPal is, even if the customers don't love it either, it's a kind of...
1: Yeah, we used to feel, when we had only credit card checkouts, maybe once a week or every other week, someone would ask, hey, do you mind if... If I pay through PayPal just offline and then you hook, hook me up. And we would do that and we're like, wow, if, if this many people are brave enough to ask through the, you know what I mean? How many people are making the same decision to just like, ah, it doesn't use PayPal or I don't have my credit card on me or I'm, I'm, I can't get a credit card, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And so, pay, yeah, definitely like we recommend every site, you know, offer PayPal as the second option. I feel like Amazon and Google Pay and Apple are—they're not as big as PayPal in terms of people who like solely use it for internet purchases, but they're—they're they're definitely coming up. And it, it's helpful that everyone's like logged in already to Amazon, so it's just one button, you know. But especially, it's—it's it's hard for us, especially for recurring subscriptions and stuff. Like you said, these gateways all do it differently and and not necessarily in a great way. And it's super complicated to make them all work.
0: <laughs> so. Jason, you must be getting a lot of different pricing ideas, a lot of tips and tricks from the customers you look at. Do you end up trying a lot of those on your site? Do you end up doing a lot of A-B testing, a lot of experimenting with prices and coupons and discounts?
1: Yeah. So we usually run about one larger pricing experiment per year. And we started doing that two or three years ago someone by the name of Kirk Bowman, who runs a podcast called The Art of Value. He either reached out to me or I I stumbled upon him when I was thinking about pricing. And I did a consultation with him. I paid him for some consulting. And then later I went on his podcast when I talked about how he implemented the the advice he gave me. But the, the big aha moment he gave me was around testing pricing, was that you don't actually have to charge the new price that you're testing. So at the time we were considering jumping from I think $197 to $297. And so we set up software on our website. I did it custom just because I'm a you know developer and so I like to do things custom. But uh, the pricing everywhere would say $300 or $297 actually. And then as soon as you got to the checkout page, it would actually mention, it would say, hey, we're running a false sale, so it's $197. At the end, so the, the pricing that was actually charged to them was only 197 And so all of our kind of like the funnel of people coming to the website saw 297 and they like twice clicked on buttons suggesting they were ready to pay $297. And then maybe they noticed that it was actually $197 because there was a little note and that might've had like a conversion, but we were A-B testing. And so what we found was that there was practically no change. There was a very, I think the 197 converted like 5% better at every step. But of course, you're getting 50% more money. And so we ran that test for a month. And then that gave us the data to basically know that, hey, if we change our pricing, it's not actually going to have, you know, as big a downside as as we think.
0: So your prices are fairly high for WordPress plugins, although in yeah. general, the market seems to be more tolerant of higher prices these days. I'm curious, you, you mentioned your you don't really think of yourself as a membership site mm-hmm. and you have all your code publicly available on GitHub. What are your selling points? What are you offering to yeah. to your customers if the code is free? And is it training, is it documentation, is it support? What's the, the value the customers are getting from you?
1: Yeah, so all of our software is GPL and open source, and it's either available on wordpress.org or github.com. So if you want to try out the code or use it, like the full version, it's confusing because we're called paid memberships Pro, and people are like, "I have the free version. Can I get the Pro version?" And we're like, "Oh no, the, it's all the same plugin on .org." But yeah, you can gain access to the code free of charge, and then what you technically get for paying two ninety seven on our website, and I like a bundle with access to everything. It makes support and everything on our side a lot easier. We don't have to figure out which extension that you bought or you know, which plan you bought.
0: Or prioritize support, maybe.
1: Everyone comes in the same support bucket. Yeah, exactly. So people often ask, like, is there a way I can pay more to get expedited support? And that would be hard for us to actually deliver. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I want the support that we offer now to be as fast as possible, and I don't want to get distracted by Mm -hmm. clients that are paying more. So yeah, we have one product that gives you access to everything. And what everything is, is like our support ticket system, some of our documentation, is locked down for paying members only. A lot of our, most of our documentation, probably 90% of it, you need a free membership. Just give us your email address and we give you access. And so we use that as like a marketing funnel. And then they also gain access to automatic updates of like what we call plus add-ons. So our policy is basically, if it's a a plugin that integrates with another service or another plugin, we release it for free in the wordpress.org repository. It kind of, it removes all of the, business considerations of like who gets the money for this when people pay for it. And it's like, no, this is something that helps both our businesses and we work on it together. But if it's a if it's an add-on that just adds functionality and it goes into an add-on if it's something that not every membership site needs, but only a certain subset needs. And it's easier for us technically to kind of control the code in an add-on. So those plus add-ons are on GitHub if you just want to find them and install them and they work with all the features. But if you want automatic updates through like the WordPress backend that downloads the zip files from our server, you have to be a member. And to be honest, like that value is not, it depends. If you're a a developer, you don't mind going in and and manually installing things. If you're an end user business or you're like a, a freelance or an agency that is dealing with a lot of plugins and a lot of sites, you don't mind paying you know, 297 to not have to worry about these things and, and kind of like smooth all the the roadblocks. So I think the price 297 is a little high in terms of access to a single plugin. I think it's low when you consider that it gives you ninety add-ons when most other I think e-commerce plugins, if you bought every single add-on or even their bundles, they're much higher. And technically you could just get the code for free if that's what you, you aim for. But we find if you're a serious business building a serious membership site, like you'll pay pay that for it. And, and we also, like the other theory, there is that it's an open source project and platform similar to WordPress. And, and my first goal isn't necessarily to make money; it's to get people to use the platform. So putting it out, the code out there, encourages that. And then we need to raise money to pay salaries and you know the business that maintains the plugin. And so. I see it as kind of a little bit of a Robin Hood thing of like we take money from the rich who can afford $297 and that allows us to keep the code available for free for anyone else who can use it.
0: So it sounds as if you've taken some pretty deliberate decisions to simplify. Yeah. You put your code on GitHub which takes away a lot of the distribution problems. You have one single support plan so everyone gets the same treatment. Yeah. Am I right in Hearing that you were a business consultant once that you actually did this kind of optimization for a living?
1: Yeah, definitely. So from like two thousand six to two thousand fifteen or so, like we did internet consulting and so people would come to us with an existing website and we would optimize it for conversions and simplify it and, and things like that. And and we would build we build a lot of like app prototypes and, and, and talk. so we had a, a lot of experience talking through these kind of pricing and business decisions with people. And when we were consulting, it was always frustrating that I felt like we would give good advice, but or we would build a good product for them, but then it was all on our customers to actually go out and market it. And so when we started marketing a membership site and software ourselves, we got to learn like why it's actually so hard and and, and kind of do a better job at that. Simplifying your pricing and setup is is kind of like a is good advice in a lot of use cases. Some People can tend to get distracted by marketing gimmicks or discount code strategies and stuff when focusing on simple product and figuring out the price point that works is is kind of more important.
0: Go ahead. So you're in a fairly crowded market with all the different e-commerce options available. The 1,000-pound gorilla in the room is WooCommerce, but there's also easy digital downloads, GiveWP and quite a few others as well. How do you end up positioning Paid Memberships Pro in amongst all those other options? Do you stick very tightly to a particular niche?
1: Yeah, so we we focus on membership sites in particular, and so comparing that to WooCommerce, and WooCommerce is great, and we like it. When we consult with people, we often tell people to that WooCommerce would be a better solution for them when it works, but WooCommerce comes with like um, a shopping cart, inventory management, and shipping information and control, and those are three things that most membership sites don't need. And when you, if you did use WooCommerce, there's there's a kind of technical debt to having those systems. So any kind of customization that you do or or things you need to to tweak the checkout experience, you have to consider. Well, like how's it going to affect these three systems? I'm not even really using. And then from a mental perspective, you have to dig through like the, you know, shipping information settings pages that you don't care about to get to the pages that you do care about. And kind of like the sales funnel of a membership site is a little different from a typical e-commerce site. And the reporting for a membership site is a little different. So the, the fact that we streamlined for the membership site use case means that it's a it's a lot simpler for people to set up and it will map to like their actual use. I mean, that said, like there's a really good membership. There's both like WooCommerce memberships for restricting content and WooCommerce subscriptions for charging like a recurring subscription. And they work really well with WooCommerce and people are building awesome sites on top of that. Then within the membership space, I think our niche there is that we embrace open source and the concept of a membership platform. And so like the fact that all of our, you know, code is available to build on. We want to like be part of a community rather than just you know focused on a product, and different membership plugins embrace that to different extents.
0: There's quite a few hosted services in the space.
1: yeah, as so well yeah, I think and yeah there's it's a it's a really good business opportunity it's something that's that, that is toyed with us. I think memberful was one that just got bought by Patreon where it was they're like a membership button, so you just put like an embed button code and then you manage your membership on a separate site and so you could put that code anywhere online. And there's just, uh, yeah, there's other ones that, like, they host your whole website, which are, I think, for different users, like, that could work. Like, different end users want, like, a kind of simple, I don't want to care, I don't want to know, like, how stuff works behind the scene. Our plugin does tend to skew towards, uh, and we focus on it, like, developers who want to customize the membership experience. And so some end users will have trouble doing certain things on our plugin. There's definitely a lot of end users using our plugin. Happily and we never even hear from them because they just set up a recurring payment and they get their money and they're fine But what we found was a, a lot of membership sites need to do things a little bit differently, you know, they say like uh, Memberships have to renew on January 1st and but if they pay early they get a discount and oh But if their wife signs up, they also get a discount and then We have an event, but if if they went to the event they have to be so there's all kinds of Customizations that can go along for how they want to price things or how they want to restrict content and early on, we chose, instead of building complicated settings pages to manage this stuff, we say, hey, you should hire a developer and have them write 10 lines of code to get it to work exactly how you want. So our plugin will be better for getting it to work exactly how you want if you need like a, a non-standard setup, which a lot of membership sites do. But you'll need a developer in a lot of cases to do that. And that's kind of the niche that we fall into. Like It's a platform that developers can build on.
0: So there's a lot of these guys who may come with their... Uh Their membership criteria or their little rules that may make a lot of sense in an offline world where everything's done manually but when it comes to converting these organizations like the i imagine the beekeepers for example are somewhat (laughs) esoteric when it comes to converting that into an online system it doesn't map quite so easily
1: yeah yeah and it's kind of a double-edged sword so we our software makes a lot of things possible but at the same time like i said earlier simplifying pricing and plans you know is a good thing i always say if it's complicated to program, like you're trying to explain to me how your uh, approval process or your, your content restrictions work or your pricing works, and if you can't explain it to me and I can't program it, just imagine like explaining it to your customer. I'm like, they want to know like why their membership is $17.32 instead of $15, you know? like <laughs> So simplifying is good. But even when you simplify, like, yeah, our, our tool is kind of flexible that you figure out what's important about your membership site and you can make that work exactly how you need it
0: so how big is pmp now you're a husband wife team still and you've got a team of yeah. half a dozen or so
1: yeah something like that so definitely kim and i have been working together since the start and we just hired three new people who are trialing for support so now we have and it's confusing about 10 full-time people so yeah about five in the united states and five in south africa full-time working on site and and a few contractors who do work for us here and there.
0: So how fast is the business growing? You've been at this for several years. Are you at the point where the growth is really starting to kick in?
1: Yeah. What's funny is, and this might be because I'm such a fan of spreadsheets and once a year I build one and look at it and kind of like crystal ball, like, hey, how are we going to do? But even like through the consulting stage into since when we switched to products, with the exception of that year when we switched. Like our business has been growing twenty percent year over year, or around there, twenty to thirty percent. And so, I think we'll do if I had to get like around seventy, eighty thousand dollars a month in revenue, this year.
0: Hey, it's nearly at the million a year, Mark.
1: Yeah, we're like really close to that. So if we do something spectacular that bumps it up, we we could hit that. But we'll probably come just under.
0: Oddly, that makes you uh, from remembering what uh, Pippin wrote yeah. about easy digital downloads makes you. Yeah. Almost exactly the same size in terms of revenue.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he posts those in his um, annual reports. So Affiliate WP, I think, makes like quite a bit more, like a little over a million. And I think Easy Digital Downloads is a little under maybe, last I checked or so. Yeah. Um, and then Restrict Content Pro. His plugin, Restrict Content Pro, I would say, is like our actual competitor. They line up most kind of philosophically with like what we think of membership plugin for WordPress, what it should do and how it should work. And we we had the advantage that he ignored that plugin a little bit while he focused on Affiliate WP and Easy Digital Downloads. But now him and I forget who the other developer is who's leading it up, are focused on it and they're they're doing a lot of really cool stuff, you know, with the code there. and And I think they're growing the revenue of that as well. But yeah, it's 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 um I live a really blessed life and we afford you know our team of ten that to, to pay them well and and invest back in the you know keep the keep the plugin going and and kind of the things that we have to do around it.
0: So, we're at an interesting time in WordPress. A lot of businesses are moving towards adding a SaaS service. A lot of businesses and developers are having to deal with Gutenberg. How carefully have you thought about and planned out what you're going to do with PMP over the next couple of years? Or is that not the way your brain works? Are you taking it step by step?
1: No, definitely. Like, there's a lot of opportunity around our platform, so. I think there's a theme called Sweet Date, and the company behind them, Seventh Queen, they sell themes on ThemeForest, and I'm pretty sure they they make more money selling that theme that it, it integrates with Paid Memberships Pro in a really tight way. It does a lot of other stuff, but they make more money selling that like membership site theme based on our platform than than we do selling the platform, um, huh. and so. And and there's definitely customers that we run into that that make, you know, over a million dollars a year selling memberships. But anyway, there's a lot of opportunity in terms of like high-end consulting to help these large associations port over to our software or a hosted platform. We've toyed with the idea a bit and we we explore it. If we get we sell about maybe like ten new customers a day, if one of them every day would buy a hundred dollar a month hosting plan instead. You know, within five years, that becomes a gigantic business that's bigger than our business, and I think that's like a safe assumption that you might be able to find one in ten people who don't have hosting yet and just want the hosted experience. Another thing we toyed with—we talked about WooCommerce earlier, where it's such a giant market. We have eighty thousand users according to WordPress.org, and WooCommerce has four point four million. And so I joke that we should just take our most popular add-ons and port them to WooCommerce. And sell them as WooCommerce extensions. It would probably be a bigger business. And if you're a developer and you run into me at a work camp, like I give away these ideas. Like if you're looking for something to work on, I'm like, yeah, just fork my code and sell it for WooCommerce. You'll probably make good <laughs> money on that. Because, but what I find is I think about these things, and I don't want to get distracted. Like I, I feel like I could spread. We could spread ourselves too thin, and lose focus on the core product that we have. And I mean, maybe it would be a better business decision in, in some cases. But you know, like I said, I want to build the the membership platform and and have, you know, paid memberships pro be as obvious a tool to use for a membership site as WordPress is a tool to use for a blog or a content management platform. And so, yeah, like it, I stay focused on the core product and, and Gutenberg is part of that. It's definitely, I was concerned about it. Like a lot of people in the space and developers when it was announced and kind of how it was going the past couple of years, but at the state of the word and like WordCamp US in general this past December and actually launching it, it's kind of like, yeah, this is it. This is the reality. It's the future, and, and we have to embrace it. And the, the development practices around it, in terms of using JavaScript and React instead of PHP as much, I feel like an like an old timer and a fuddy duddy, and like oh, I'm just going to retire and let these young guys that I, and girls that I've hired like they're, they're they're younger and smarter than me, and I'll let them figure it out. So definitely Gutenberg is the future, and, and blocks in WordPress and. In all reality, there's a there's an excellent opportunity, not just in membership plugins, but different premium plugins in general, um, different forms plugins, other e-commerce plugins, the email marketing plugins, the SEO plugins. There's an opportunity to, be, to build like a block first solution that doesn't have the technical debt that we have because we built the plugin almost 10 years ago. And it works exactly how new people coming into WordPress expect it to work as a block there's an opportunity for them to kind of leapfrog us. And and so I, I feel like it might happen, it, it, but but we're gonna, to fight that, You know we're gonna embrace Gutenberg and the paid memberships pro 2.0 launched the beginning of this year. And it it has kind of the first phase of ideas we have for using blocks. So things that were short codes in our old plugin are blocks now. We have the ability to restrict other blocks based on your membership level which I'm not sure other membership plugins have, have released yet. So if you're using blocks and you, you need to restrict them, you know our membership plugin does that. And so we're embracing it, and we'll, we'll try in our kind of iterative, crawling, open source way to catch up and stay on top in terms of the, you know, the new development environment of WordPress. Well,
0: you know what? I've really learned to love it in the last month or so maybe after all the mistakes that were made with actually getting Gutenberg out the door and all the problems in the release. And then, what, two, three months in, my mental model started to flip. And Mm. just recently, last week, I started to convert even all the custom post types that we have on different sites over to Gutenberg. I started to miss it. (laughs) I'd be writing away on the classic editor on one content type and say, man, I actually miss Gutenberg. I never thought I'd say that, but it made my writing process yeah. quicker the block model worked perhaps it helped that dealt with similar platforms before in uh, in drupal in particular but gutenberg is such a different mental model that is taking people some time to come around
1: yeah definitely and you know what i realized i we, part of the 2.0 update we we changed our menu in paid members this is related i promise <laughs> but um We had this thought, uh, our old menu was kind of like based on the flow of setup. When you're setting up a membership site, you go here, then here, then here, then here. But you really only do that once. And then you use the membership site every day differently for the rest of your life. So we, we rearranged things on the menu based on like the most what you're most likely to need to use day to day. So like your members list and the orders list are first and second instead of being further down because it's later in, in the setup. And we kind of moved the menu up. Like uh, I think when we added it before we just added it wherever WordPress put it by default, but now there's kind of standards where if your plugin manages like custom post types, it should kind of be above the settings. So we're like, hey, let's move it above the settings. So I ma- we made this tweak where we moved the menu and for like a month and a half, I would, my muscle memory would just click the wrong link every time I, I went to do something. And I'm like, I built this, like I coded this. I'm the one <laughs> who told it to move up the page. I know it's there, but like my arm and my mouse hand keeps going to the old menu and I have to like be like, oh yeah, where is it exactly? Up here. And so when I did that with my own software and that was around the time Gutenberg was in development too and, and I was struggling, like, where's the button to delete a block? I'm like, man, our muscle memory and we do this every day is like really fine And It's going to take a bunch of time to relearn that. I can see why you want to turn it over to the kids you fired now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm getting all this hard. So, yeah, so I so I have a lot of, I guess, empathy for the problem of, like, you're changing things so much, it's, it's going to be hard. And that's what I feel about Gutenberg is the stuff it does really well feels so good and kind of the, the future roadmap of, of how it can be used for, you know, front-end layout and editing and, and different things. And also, like, the extensibility of it. And if you've seen a demo of, like, some of the the block plugins that you say like um, they have templates built in and you're like, I need a X form and, and you click it and it, it shows you a pretty picture. And then it adds like 12 blocks that are that form and then you can drag it around. Like it feels so good. It does that stuff so well. And all the stuff that I have problems with and a lot of, a lot of what other people have problems with, like from a UI and use perspective, are either little bugs that should be fixed, or kind of minor things that like we'll get over as we figure it out. The other day, I ran into like a weird display bug, and I, I took a note. I got to look into it and see if that's like a known issue. Like it moved the cursor around in some weird way, and blocks can get lost. And the nested blocks like need to be a little bit have like bigger UI to make them easier to manipulate. And but all these things like they to me as a developer, they sound like things that can be fixed. You know, um, it's not like a problem with the core idea. One thing though that does worry me. I mean, talk about like from a development perspective, the movement to JavaScript and and like Node JS. Former development, like you rely on so many libraries and you kind of mindlessly pull them in. And like I copied like a, a Gutenberg tutorial and it had the the list of requirements. You're running the script, the npm build the npm scripts, you know, and it's like the npm requirements and you you run the build script and it pulls in all this JavaScript. And I don't really know what it all does or why it's needed, and this is kind of true when you use plugins and stuff, but it feels it feels a little bit different to me. It feels like a little more distant and there's a little more like spread out like, yeah, yeah and and it definitely is like at the, the coding level like PHP has the encryption libraries built in and JavaScript doesn't, so you have to use like the encryption library that someone built. and there was the case I forget the library at the end of last year where. Someone took over an open source project and put malicious code into like a commonly used library, and it was oh man, I wish I could remember what it did, but it was something kind of silly. It was like it was like a five line piece of code. It made like a kind of if conditional. I forget, but it was something of that level. Like it was it's it's something that almost should be built into the the, the software, the JavaScript. But instead, like you use a library because it makes your code like a little bit easier to use, and so everyone uses this code, and then like the, the malicious code gets in, and and you don't know it was there, and so. There's stuff in place, They it, it was fixed really, it's open source, so it was fixed really quickly and like the patches went out, but I still feel like whenever you run that NPM build and you get like 50 libraries that you don't know about, I mean, on some level the same thing happens in in WordPress and PHP, but it, it is a different, it's more extreme in that platform, I think, and I, I wonder like if there'll be some pushback, like people are embracing it now for development, but I, I could see that being a kind of cyclical thing where five years from now... There's going to be more of a like uh, a push towards like we want a silo of like we only use, our you know, like WordPress will bless and maintain their own versions of all these li- JavaScript libraries just to have more control over it and safety and security. And like maybe that's how it will form or just people will there'll, there'll be other kind of issues with that development paradigm and, and people will move back towards, you know, using PHP for things.
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of these Software projects that are stuck on somewhat old or unmaintained versions. You have, yeah. Joomla uses Bootstrap two in the core. Okay. Drupal uses an old version of Symfony, and inevitably, similar things have happened to WordPress and will happen to WordPress in the future. Again, the more external libraries you rely on, the yeah, the more you're reliant on on other companies, on Facebook in the case of React. Yeah. The more vulnerable you are to them deciding to make breaking changes for their own reasons,
1: right, right. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: Okay, so you you've generally enjoyed the move to JavaScript development, but have some nagging concerns hmm. in the back of your mind still.
1: Yeah, I, like uh, so. Enjoyed is an interesting word choice. Like I've sometimes. <laughs> well, sometime, the answer <laughs> is no. Then, by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, no. you know, it's like it's. I think it's. I'm, I feel like a fuddy-duddy. Like I'm. I have to relearn some things from scratch and. Also, and maybe I'm writing this book, building web apps for WordPress, the second edition, and so I'm diving into the JavaScript, and I, I feel like I have to understand these things at a lower level, and not just take for granted what they what they say they do. So, like I said, like when you you copy and paste the Gutenberg example, and it says these are you know the JavaScript libraries that are required. Uh, like one exercise I did for the book was like, what's the smallest possible like block I can build for WordPress? Cause like, do I need to import the localization library? And and do I need to import, I forget the library that allows you to use JSX and the library that they do these different things, but I'm like, it's just JavaScript. So like how minimal can I make it? And that was an interesting process. It'll be in the book when (laughs) when it gets released to then build up on top of that and figure out well like which pieces of this block code are React and which are JavaScript and which are WordPress and which are like another JavaScript library. Because it's, it's a web of all these technologies, and, and so I feel like I have to understand it at a lower level, and, and it just makes me feel like, like it makes me feel dumb. When I program PHP, I feel like a god because I've been programming it for you know twenty years, and uh, I follow along with like how it's changing. PHP is changing actually pretty rapidly now with like the iteration on the versions, but not compared to JavaScript um which i've i've always used in different ways but now you know it feels like a different paradigm so yeah I, f- I feel like it's hard to be able to do something so well with one tool and then you have to use another one and and you go back to square one and you spend a lot more time like researching and struggling with build tools and stuff so it's definitely been frustrating from that perspective and that's what makes me feel like i you know i'm like oh i should retire from the programming even <laughs> though it's it's fun but I, I feel, like from a business perspective, in WordPress, like it's definitely the, the the path forward for the project. You know, so I understand like why the value of all these things and, and like why the tools were chosen.
0: Hey, just settle in and be the boss, and hire developers to do the <laughs> handle all, all the JavaScript libraries for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll have like side projects, you know, to to build whatever I want. So there's just probably like still people who build like random things on Fortran and Callball. and like uh, that'll be the equivalent, you know, and it'll be like, look at my little PHP. <laughs> Project here. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So you have a new version of the book coming out and you blog a lot yeah. about membership tips. Where can people follow you and paid memberships pro?
1: Yeah, so the best place is probably on Twitter, Jason underscore Coleman on Twitter. And I'll post anything I you know, my thoughts in general, and then anything I po- I post a lot to the paid memberships pro blog and I'll probably be posting more often to my personal blog, the real Jason Coleman.com with stuff about the, the new book and things like that going forward. I say new book, but it's just a, re- it's an update. It feels totally new. Like we, we delayed it a bit so that Gutenberg would come out and we can put stuff in the, you know, Gutenberg related stuff in, into the book and the rest API, uh, wasn't around when we first wrote the first version, WooCommerce wasn't really around. We have a, a section on e-commerce that said, I thought shot was going to win out versus WooCommerce. And WooCommerce obviously is now the biggest e-commerce platform generally well, in the world. Well. No, yeah. So like, yeah, we had to update that chapter. <laughs> um, so it's, it's updated a lot. And uh, you can get the early release version through the Safari or O'Reilly Safari subscription. So if you go to O'Reilly.com, Their model now is you pay a monthly fee and you gain access to all of the O'Reilly books. And if you do that, you get like the early access ebook that has like the chapters as we update them. Cool. Um, And that should be out in a couple months, a few months otherwise.
0: Oh, congrats. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Jason. Wish you all the best with the book and with uh, Paid Membership Pro in 2019. All right. Thank you, Steve.